Hello from IMC Worldwide, my name is Sajid Chowdhury, and today I'm joined by very special guest Tim Benet, who strives to improve aid effectiveness by taking a results-oriented approach to appraisal, formulation, monitoring, and evaluation. He has reviewed or evaluated nearly 100 projects and programs financed by donors such as the EU and DFID, and implemented by a wide range of international organizations, consulting firms, and NGOs in more than 20 countries. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sajid, and it's good to be catching up with you. Now, there are many types of development approaches that seek to reduce poverty, including social protection, rural or community development programs, and private sector development in the form of making markets work for the poor, or M4P. Many of these involve income generation for the poor, and we're going to talk about some common design and management issues. But first, what do these projects and programs actually aim to achieve? Is it just about money, or is there something more? Tim? Well, if they're income-generating activities, uh, then obviously um, cash is going to be a part of it. But nowadays, one realizes that with poverty reduction programs, then um, what we're looking for is signs of poverty reduction, and uh, income is not particularly the best one of those to look at. Nowadays, everybody realizes that poverty is a multidimensional thing. Um, in addition to cash availability, savings, and so on, it's got to do with uh, the assets that one owns, the position one has in society, empowerment things, um, even availability of uh, sanitation and stuff like that. There are many different characteristics that one can look at. And depending on the type of um, poverty level that we're talking about, from the extreme poor up through people who are um, somewhat less poor to those who are uh, borderline not poor, um, one would have a number of um, sort of indices of these characteristics that one can create to say what kind of level uh, we are starting from and what kind of level we want to go to. And it's probably a better way of measuring poverty is to use some kind of index like that than to look at um, uh, simple changes in income. But what tends to happen uh, with a lot of projects is that they, um, you know, they get stuck with a log frame or something at the beginning that they have to put an indicator into. Uh, it seems like the, the easiest thing to do is to put in an indicator of uh, cash because they haven't yet worked out their um, multi-dimensional indicator or something like that. And so um, that goes in. But in fact, uh, actually, even um, changes in income can be fairly difficult to measure anyway. So I think the other indices are a better bet to go for. And so, Tim, I mean, just the, just the basic question. How do you determine how much money people need to be taken out of poverty? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. And one that isn't really uh, looked at very much uh, I don't think by a lot of programs that are involved in poverty reduction. I mean, it, it would be ideal to try and do something like a household business plan for each of your beneficiaries so that you can uh, you know, determine which of those particular features that I just described uh, that we really want them to improve in and to, uh, to tailor make some interventions that can help them get the right amount of money that they can afford to do that. But the fact is that uh, most projects are dealing with thousands of beneficiaries. In Bangladesh with DFID, there, there are projects which are dealing with hundreds of thousands, even up to a million beneficiaries. So you simply can't do that. 
And um, then you would think, well, maybe we could make general categories of people who are sort of at various levels in the what you might call the hierarchy of poverty, and we could try to aim certain interventions of one kind or another to to be appropriate to whichever level a beneficiary falls in. But I haven't really seen many cases where that's happening either. So what happens uh, frequently in, in, in examples that I've seen have been that the ones who appear to be more capable get allocated or somehow get hold of the interventions that are likely to give the better amounts of money and those who are uh, less capable or, uh, or weaker in society unfortunately tend to get the, um, the, the, the lower value interventions if they get any at all. And so unfortunately, you know, that's obviously the reverse of what we would like to have happening. And so if we reflect on all that, on the current state of development programming, what's, what's the key learning that we could take away from this? And secondly, what do you envision are the kind of management decisions that could be made in response? Um, well, I think the first thing is that there is a tendency for projects to try and get off at a gallop. So they are rather prone to doing anything without really thinking through uh, whether those are the right uh, interventions. So, for instance, I've seen a number of places where um, I go to visit a project and I ask the people, uh, this intervention that is supposed to be producing income for the beneficiaries, uh, so what is the potential income gain that they can get from this? Very often they can't even say that. Um, and then I say, well, okay, so the beneficiary uh, that you're dealing with, um, how much money does he or she need to make the gain that you want them to gain uh, to reduce their poverty? And they can't really answer that one either. So really the first thing to do is for project managements at the beginning to slow down and to start thinking about those basic questions before they actually get into delivering the interventions themselves. And the second thing is that there's a, a tendency by the donors really to, um, to set targets. And quite often those targets are set uh, in, a, in a financial way because that's the most convenient way for donors to measure what, the, what benefits they're getting. So they might say, um, let's, let's have a project that is going to improve the income of uh, 100,000 people by 100 pounds a year each. But even when you do that, uh, there's a risk that firstly the project will average that out. So they might be able to find one or two um, income generating activities that can actually make about £200 a year for the beneficiaries, but they'll be probably rather expensive activities to carry out, so they'll only do it for a small number of beneficiaries. And then a rather large number of beneficiaries might only get £50 a year or less of benefit uh, from the interventions that they are given. But you can't really average out uh, the effect on poverty. So even though the average of that might come to, to £100, um, the ones who are getting £200 are definitely likely to improve their poverty status, but the ones that are only getting £50 might not improve it. 
And the other thing about that is that we have to consider not only the income itself, but the distribution of income throughout the year. So um, most of these projects are related to agricultural um, or let's say rural communities where the income generating activities are frequently agricultural ones. Um, some agricultural uh, produce comes, you know, just once a year, it's harvested once a year. And so the sale is done not exactly the same day, but within the same period of time, uh, a small period of time, they are going to get their £100 of benefit, assuming that the uh, activity can produce that. Um, another activity might be something like uh, small-scale um, animal production, where they might be able to sell an animal, uh, say, four times a year, in which case we would say that if it, if it was going to achieve a, a £100 a year benefit, that would be £25 for them four times a year. And another example might be something like um, where they're baking bread, where a baker can only bake a certain number of loaves a day. So his income is constant every day, it's going to be the same. Or where somebody is selling, um, has, is doing a dairy business and has got a, uh, is selling milk. So she can only get um, a certain amount of money every day, but it is daily. And so that's like, uh, what would that be? Maybe 30p a day or something that she gets. So the difference between somebody who gets £100 as a lump sum or as four smaller lump sums or as 30p a day, in terms of what they can do with it and how it's going to help them to um, improve their uh, poverty status is quite significant. You know, I mean, with, with 30p a day, she might not be able to do uh, an awful lot with that, whereas £25 a quarter uh, it can help you to send your children to school or something like that. Um, and of course, £100 per year, you can buy a useful asset or something like that from it if you get the lump sum. So uh, I think those are some of the things which project management could usefully look at um, in terms of improving the quality of the poverty reduction programs. So... Tim, I mean, you've covered what management could be doing differently, and you've also covered what donors could be doing differently. I just wanted to ask you, is there anything that you think evaluation teams themselves can be doing differently in communicating this message and, you know, trying to effect some positive change in development programming? Yeah, that's a good question, Sajid. Um, there are definitely lessons out there that we know and that are not uh, getting applied. And I suppose thinking about it, I think it's perhaps because we express them in the wrong way. So we talk about people needing to uh, redesign um, some of their interventions to go back and make sure that it fits the needs of the stakeholders and so on. And that's a message which is um, a bit difficult to give. Uh, at, obviously, it's useless to give at the end of a project when you do an evaluation. It may be helpful if you do a midterm review. But I think really the correct message that we should be putting out there is that you need to start your project with a much better defined objectives. And that means perhaps to develop a proper theory of change rather than simply um, put some indicators in a log frame or something like that. And if we could engage with a lot of projects uh, a little bit during their inception periods and help them with that, I think it might be very helpful. Anyway, um, I think just getting it out there 
in a podcast like this may also be helpful, Sajid. So thanks for giving me the opportunity to do so. Well, Tim, I would really love to keep this going, but we are just about out of time. But I do really want to thank you for being with us here today. It's been a pleasure, Sajid. Thank you very much. And to our audience, I do want to say to you as well, thank you for being with us. We are going to continue covering this issue on our Twitter account. That's at IMC Worldwide. And we will also post the transcript of this podcast to the IMC website, which you can find at www.imcworldwide.com. Thank you again for being with us and do join us next time for the IMC podcast.